Lord, we just pause before you, God, acknowledging that, that you are worthy of this time and of this space. And so, God, we open up our hearts and our minds to just hear from you. Uh, precious God, I just pray that I would just be a vessel through which you would speak tonight, God, for your glory, God, for the good of every man and woman in this room. And God, I just pray uh, against any distractions, against any work of the enemy of our flesh, and I just pray that all of our hearts would be soft, um, God, that we would be good and fertile soil as to what you would want to accomplish in and through your word tonight. So we love you. We just ask that you would be glorified and that you would have your way, King Jesus. Amen. Well, good evening, everyone. Um, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Hunter Johnson. I've been a part of Chi Alpha staff here at JMU. Shout out to the core group over there. Um, my wife and I, Julia, thank you. Um, I've been a part of JMU Chi Alpha from the very beginning with the Morans. Um, so this is, this is year four, which is absolutely crazy. Some of you were wee little first years, freshmen. Like that's... And now you're about to leave, which is sad, but we're not going to talk about that. Um, yeah, Victory Lab, come on, Calp Internship, whatever you want to do, stay, live and work around Harrisonburg. Um, but so for those of you who don't know me, it's great to meet you. Hopefully I'll meet you um, in person directly after this or some other time. Um, but another fun fact about um, the Johnsons is that we just got new phones, which is pretty cool. Um, I'm not normally one that gets like super excited about new phones because we don't upgrade like but like once every like four years. Um, so when we do, it's like super cool. You know, I've got guys in my core group who have like gone through two or three phones since I've gotten my since I've had my last one. You know, no shame for that. If you got it like that or your parents do, that's great. Um, but we got some new phones just a couple weeks ago, and going from the SE to the 14 or whatever has been like super crazy. Right, like there have been a lot of changes. Um, for instance, like I don't have a, I don't have a home button anymore, so that's that's kind of tough when I'm trying to like click out of my apps because I usually don't like to leave more than like five or six tabs open. Like now I'm swiping like different directions or doing different things now. There's also Face ID, which is pretty cool. Like I, I, I miss my thumb touch. You know, like it was kind of weird. Um, and thumb touch always like didn't, touch ID didn't always work because I had the same case on my phone for six years because I went from an eight to an SC and they're like the exact same phone. Um, and so I've had the same phone case for like six years. So even just changing the case is like, wow, this thing is awesome. Um, so, you know, Julia and I have been checking out like all the different features of the phone and the new Apple updates and all that. And like one that really sticks out and is crazy, and maybe you've seen commercials, maybe you've seen this yourself, is the ability to unsend messages. Yeah. Have you tried this? Like it's it's pretty cool, but there's like a couple there's a couple limits to it, right? So for the for the two or three Android phone users in this room, I know Chris is one of them. Uh, there's probably a couple of you out there in solidarity with him. Um, you still hold a lot of power. Because the unsend feature only works in iMessage. So when I text you, Chris, like whatever I said, I said, I'm not taking it back. So you've got that power. So use that responsibly. Um, the other catch, though, is that in iMessages, um, like Julia and I tried this out, when you unsend a message, it does delete or unsend what you sent. But then it still says, oh, Julia unsent a message, which like, 
that's kind of still weird because the person you're texting knows that you took something back and for whatever reason they don't know what it is now but they still see that you did that so that's like up to you guys to figure out i guess um and i share this one to say like where has this feature been right like with all the advances in technology with all the things that have changed like i feel like we could have had this feature like five years ago three years ago okay a couple of the cs majors are nodding uh well one's nodding one's disagreeing again you guys can figure that out but i don't know like to me this just feels like it could have come a lot sooner right how many of you would have liked something like this much much earlier like in our lives right like how nice would it have been maybe when you were in like a heated moment and you said something you sent that message and you immediately wanted to take it back but you couldn't and you like just waited for them to like read that and respond to look for those three little dots and you're like oh gosh oh gosh or maybe you sent a follow-up message to explain yourself maybe um maybe you were talking like about someone in not so great of a way and you were talking with your other friend about them but then because they were on your mind you accidentally sent it to that person instead and you're like Oof. like i i've been there i'll confess um maybe maybe it was something more positive like maybe you were crushing on someone and you're like hey you know he she's really cute like don't you agree and then you saw that you sent it to the person you're crushing on and you're like oh goodness um i haven't done that one thankfully but no shame if you have um and like yeah maybe in other ways this feature would have saved you from maybe it was embarrassment maybe it was frustration Maybe it could have helped you not contribute to gossip. Maybe it could have, yeah, saved you from whatever else. You insert that there. But um, as nice as this feature may be, the reality is, is that life doesn't really work that way, right? Like that when we make mistakes, many times it is not that simple to fix them. That we can't just hit an undo button, that we can't just unsend and pretend like it never happened right and the reality is is that the mistakes we make often impact other people as well and the same is true for us right the mistakes of others often impact us too and so as we pick back up in our series on the parables of jesus a series that we have titled kingdom things um, we're going to look at a parable that would speak to this reality we're going to look at a parable, and parables are essentially short stories, um, often metaphorical, but short stories that um, would, would communicate a simple um, truth um, and a larger meaning. It would go through and illustrate this. And so in this parable we're going to see tonight, we're going to look at an individual who makes a critical mistake that, if we're honest with ourselves, you and I have probably made far too often as well. And there is no undo button or easy way to fix this mistake uh, as it often takes time to work through it. Like what are we to do when we've really caused someone else a tremendous amount of hurt and pain? And what are we to do when someone else has caused us a tremendous amount of hurt and pain? The mistake that we must avoid in both of these cases and in many more is the mistake of unforgiveness. And the parable that we will look at tonight will teach us a lot about the power of forgiveness, which is a kingdom thing, as well as the consequences of unforgiveness. 
And what we will learn along the way is that forgiveness is often hard and costly. But forgiveness is always worth it. Forgiveness is a kingdom thing. So let's get into it. Turn with me, in you, if you will, in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 18. Um, if you need a Bible, we have some on the back table. Does anybody need one? You can slip up your hand if you do, and um, Ian will gladly get you one. Anybody out there need a Bible? Hey, we've got one. Come on. Thanks, Ian. If you're getting there on your phones, you can click there as well. But we will be looking um, in the Gospel of Matthew starting in chapter 18. I'll give you just a moment to turn there. Great. Um, okay, so before we get into this parable, let me just give you a little bit of context. So up to this point, Jesus is talking with his disciples, and he's giving them advice on how to deal with issues of sin in the community of believers. And the advice that he gives is absolutely phenomenal, and it just makes sense too. And Josh elaborated this, elaborated on this in the Q&A last week, so I'm not going to go too far into that right now. But just a quick summary for those that weren't there. I encourage you to go back later and read through all of this part of Matthew 18. But the quick summary is that when someone has done wrong, whether towards you or you see someone doing something wrong towards themselves or in general, go talk to them first before getting others involved. Like, don't just go and tell everyone else, hey, look at what so-and-so is doing, so-and-so did this to me. Like, the first step is to go directly to them and then try and fix the situation between the two of you. And doing so can save the both of you from a lot of hurt and frustration. And so that's the summary. You can go back and read later uh, if you want. We encourage you to do that. And so, this is what the disciples are talking about before Jesus gives this parable. And so after talking about this, these issues and specifically sinning against one another, Peter then asks Jesus the next logical question. Well, if we're talking about sin, what about forgiveness? And so looking at verse 21, we will start there tonight. It says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother or sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? Jesus answered, I tell you, not seven times, but seventy-seven times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. As he began the settlement, a man who owed him ten thousand bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. All right, so let's pause right there. So Peter, like many of us, being pretty practical, you could say he comes to Jesus, right? Wants to know how often we are to forgive others who sin against us. And it's said by many scholars that tradition um, during this time, um, the common teaching in Peter and Jesus' day was that if someone was to wrong you, you would forgive them up to three times. Um, so this is what like Peter, he's coming to Jesus and he knows that Jesus is very compassionate. Jesus is different. He sees something about him. And so even though the common knowledge would have been to think about asking for forgiveness three times, Peter goes above and beyond asking Jesus, hey, should we give people, forgive people up to seven times? 
But the answer that Jesus gives would have shocked Peter and the rest of those listening. Not seven times, Jesus said, but 77 times. Or maybe your translation reads 70 times 7, which is 490. Either way, the point that Jesus is making here is that there must be no end to our forgiveness to those who have wronged us. That we are to forgive again and again and again and again and again. And I could say it 484, 485 more times, but the point is that there is no end to this forgiveness. That we must not put a number on it. If we are keeping score then we are not truly forgiving. And after hearing this challenging revelation, Jesus' listeners would have been all in, right? Like their ears would have been perked, they would have been on the edge of their seats, and they would have already been preparing some follow-up questions, maybe thinking of some possible exceptions to this rule. But then Jesus goes and gives them this parable to further illustrate the point about God's forgiveness and our own forgiveness too. And so, Let's pack a few things from the first part of this parable that we've read. So, uh, we have this king who's settling um, some accounts with some of his servants, and a man is brought to him to settle his debt. And that debt is 10,000 bags of gold, or maybe your translation says 10,000 talents. And so, a talent was equal to about 20 years of wages, which, as I was writing this, I realized is more than some of you have been alive for which is crazy. Um, so 20 years of wages is one talent. And so if we do a little bit of math, um, 10,000 talents, um, this man owed 200,000 years worth of wages. You're like, what in the world could this man have done to incur such a debt, right? Shoo! And the point that Jesus is trying to make in this parable is that the servant has a debt that is in no way possible for him to pay back. And though this may seem pretty clear and obvious to us, it doesn't seem to be that way to the servant, right? Um, perhaps he doesn't realize the extent of his debt. Perhaps he's a little too confident in himself or maybe just in a, a moment of desperation. But what does he said? He says, if you just give me some more time, be patient, I will pay everything back. And I can imagine the king just sitting there rolling his eyes like, bruh, I don't have 200,000 years for this, and neither do you, right? Like, what in the world? Like, I could just picture the king sitting there like, oh, brother. But that is not what this king is about. This king is compassionate. This king is loving. This king is merciful, and he's gracious. This king forgives the debt himself, and he lets this man go. And friends, this is the gospel. This is the good news of Jesus. He is the compassionate king who has forgiven our debt and forgiven our sin. And, you know, I realize that it may be helpful to explain a little bit about sin and this debt that we have before God, because we talk about this all the time, but it can be a little confusing or a little bit hard to understand. And so I just want to kind of explain and talk about that real briefly. Um, and so in a nutshell... When God created the world and everything, he created humankind. He had great plans and purposes for our lives, and the Bible says that we are made in the image of God. And he created us to have responsibility and authority over his creation as we bear his image. That we were to steward the responsibilities given to us and take care of the earth. We were also created to have relationship with God, 
you know, to honor him, to worship him as well. But given free will and the ability to choose what we do and what we love, humankind chose to give worship and allegiance to forces and powers within creation itself. And I've got an excerpt that I'd like to read from um, one of the leading New Testament theologians, N.T. Wright, brilliant guy, has amazing podcasts and books. This excerpt comes out of a book called The Day the Revolution Began, which we read as a staff last year. Um, it's a fantastic book on understanding the gospel and God's rescue mission. It would, like, it'll blow your mind away. So definitely get it, read it, borrow it from the Morans or one of us on staff. But N.T. Wright says regarding all of this and the state of humanity, he says, the diagnosis of the human plight is then not simply that humans have broken God's moral law, offending and insulting the Creator whose image they bear, though that is true as well. This law-breaking, bless you, is a symptom of a much more serious disease. Morality is important, but that isn't the whole story. Called a responsibility and authority within and over the creation, humans have turned their vocation upside down, giving worship and allegiance to forces and powers within creation itself. And the name for this is idolatry. The result is slavery and finally death. It isn't just that humans do wrong things and so incur punishment. That is one element of the larger problem, which isn't so much about a punishment that might seem arbitrary or draconian. It is rather about direct consequences. When we worship and serve forces within the creation, the creation for which we were supposed to be responsible, we hand over our power to forces that are only too happy to take over our position. We humans have thus, by evading our own vocation, handed our power and authority to non-divine and non-human forces, which have then run rampant, spoiling human lives, ravaging the beautiful creation, and doing their best to turn God's world into a hell. Whew, let that sink in for a moment. I think this description helps shows just the, the complex and destructive nature of our sin. And that when we break the law of God, not just in morality, but in choosing to worship created things instead of the Creator Himself, that when we break God's law, we also break His heart. But instead of Him expecting us to make things better, instead of expecting us to pay back a debt, like we are that servant with a 200,000 year debt, like instead of expecting us to pay that back, he instead settles that debt for us with a healing that comes through the sacrifice of his son on the cross. Just as the king in this parable would have to pay the cost of this forgiveness, right? Because he loaned a lot of money to this individual, a lot of resources and was never gonna get it back. And so he has to pay that cost. Um, just as, as he does that, so has Jesus paid the price of our forgiveness through his blood that was shed for us. He is the king who takes pity on us. He is the king who has compassion for us and cancels a debt which we would never be able to repay. This is the gospel. This is the good news. That Christ has overcome our debt and has also overcome the powers of those things that seek to enslave us and hold us back. He's given us freedom. He's given us forgiveness. He has restored us to himself. Hallelujah. This is the forgiveness that Christ then seeks for us to give to others in turn. A forgiveness that is given even when the cost to ourselves is great. 
We must not let the forgiveness of God stop and end with us. It must continue on through us and to others. We must not make the mistake of unforgiveness. The consequences of unforgiveness, as we will see in the rest of this parable, are far too disastrous. So let's continue picking back up in verse 28. Again, the servant is forgiven of this significant debt. Let's see what happens next. Verse 28 says, But when the servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins. He grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, and I will, be, and I will pay it back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged, and they went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said. I canceled all that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In his anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all he owed. This is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Oof. That's tough, right? Like, can you imagine the reaction of the disciples? Like, I just picture there this just being this silence of, like, shock and, like, wait, what? And just, like, this, this also this question of, like, how could someone do this? How could someone forgive and so greatly then go and act so horribly to someone else? You know, he finds someone with, with a smaller debt. So, again, doing a little bit of math and just facts here, 100 silver coins, 100 denarii, as your translation may say, this was about three to four months of wages, which was a significant debt, don't get me wrong, but it was actually possible to pay this one back. Um, but this debt was also 600,000 times smaller than the first debt that the servant was, was forgiven. And so this is just absolutely crazy. Like this level of unforgiveness would be ridiculous. Like no way, there's no way that someone would just turn around and go do that after, after being forgiven. Like no, this is, this is absurd. And that is exactly the point. That with how greatly we have been forgiven by God, there is no room in our hearts for unforgiveness. That we who have been forgiven greatly must greatly forgive. I love the way that one scholar puts it when he writes, a community of the forgiven must be a forgiving community. I think that's such a good word for us, Chi Alpha. As we go through life with brothers and sisters in the faith, as we go through life seeking to reach those who do not yet know Jesus and the forgiveness that he offers, we ourselves must be forgiving. Jesus paid far too great a price for us to be stingy with forgiveness. We must freely forgive as, as he forgives us. And, and what I mean by this expression, freely forgive, maybe you guys have heard this uh, in passing, in church, whatever. What, what we mean by freely forgive, what we don't mean is that forgiveness is necessarily free, okay? Because the opposite is true. That forgiveness is often very costly. It costs the king a tremendous amount of resources that he loaned only to never get back. Forgiveness costs Jesus his very life, right? Forgiveness can be very costly for the person who offers and extends it, but it should be given freely to the one who receives it. 
Just as God extends forgiveness to us without us paying any restitution or anything in return, we should forgive others without expecting anything in return as well. And now something I want to be careful to say is that when we extend, when we offer, when we give forgiveness, this doesn't negate the offense or the wrong that someone has done to us, okay? Like the, the effects of that, like the hurt, the pain, the damage, like all these things may still be there. And these things may last for quite some time. Um, because, but the damage may still be there. And though these things may last for a while, when we give, when we forgive as God forgives us, someone must absorb the wound, right? So oftentimes in our forgiveness, we are the ones who absorb the wounds. But forgiveness, it's not about no longer feeling the pain, the hurt, the betrayal, whatever it is. Forgiveness is rather going through the process of letting these things go. So letting these things go so that our hearts and our souls may truly be healed by the kindness and grace of our forgiving God. Forgiveness is hard. Forgiveness is costly. But forgiveness is worth it. Another thing I'd like to clarify about forgiveness, um, because like our society, the world around us has a lot to say about forgiveness, and some of it can be true, and some of it can not be. <laughs> some of it can be helpful. Some of it can be unhelpful and harmful. So I just want to take a few moments to speak to that. But like we hear this phrase all the time that says, forgive and forget, right? Like most of you have probably heard this, you know, just, just forgive and forget. Um, like I've heard this many times in my own life and oftentimes it's been confusing is like what is what am I supposed to do like it's not just that easy and I don't even know if it's possible all the time and so right because many of us here have done things or had things happen that we could not possibly ever forget um, and so I don't think that that advice is helpful in the way that most people offer it but I also think that scripture is able to explain a little bit better of what this idea is trying to say. So scripture, for instance, talks about this idea of God forgetting our sins, God no longer remembering our sins. And that's really cool and that's really beautiful, but like, I don't know, if you think about it, like when you think about the character of God and you think that he's omniscient, you're like, wait, how does this work? Like, how can God like forget my sin if he's omniscient and all knowing? Like, that just seems like, like, wait, how does how, the math doesn't add up, right? Um, but I think it's, it's helpful to, to know that, like, in Scripture, when it's talking about God forgetting our sins, no longer remembering our sins, it's not talking about forgiveness, or sorry, forgetfulness in the way that we think of it. Like, oh, shoot, where's my phone? Where are my keys again? Right? Um, like, I, God is omniscient. He is all-knowing. But He can choose not to remember something. And it's not that he completely forgets the sin ever happened or that he's unable to recall it, but he instead chooses to overlook it. And he views us in light of his forgiveness. He views us not as a result of our sin, but he views us in light of the forgiveness and the grace and what Jesus has done for us. And another thing that I think is helpful for us to understand is to distinguish the differences between forgiveness and reconciliation because a lot of us can like use those two terms interchangeably but they're actually a little bit different in their nature and so um, forgiveness is a one-way street while reconciliation is a two-way street 
right? Like forgiveness can happen with just one person, whereas reconciliation can happen when both come to an agreement and are restored. But the reality is that in many situations where we have done wrong or have had wrong done to us, the reality is that sometimes reconciliation will not be achievable. And that's okay. And there could be a variety, a variety of reasons for this, such as if someone's not like willing to admit that they've done wrong. Um, sometimes it's in the best interest of our own mental and emotional health. Sometimes it could be for your personal safety. Like for, for many valid reasons, reconciliation may sometimes not be possible. And that is okay. And so like, just know that despite what others may have told you, like, like, like this is okay sometimes if this does not happen. Sometimes that is for the better. Right, like there are cases where sometimes things will never quite be the same anymore. That we may have to put up new boundaries that around a certain person or people, or, or, or maybe we even have to move along our lives without them a part of that anymore. Um, but, but just because there might not be reconciliation does not mean that we can't still offer forgiveness. Because forgiveness is a one-way street, it is entirely up to us to forgive. It is entirely up to us. And though it may be hard, though it may even seem impossible for you to do on your own, I believe that it is possible through the love and the grace of a forgiving God. Because the same God who calls us to love our enemies calls us to forgive them as well. And one more thing I'd like to say about offering forgiveness is that it doesn't mean that we excuse or condone the wrongdoing or what has happened, right? Like Jesus looked down from the cross as he's being crucified and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they are doing. And the forgiveness of Christ doesn't deny justice. It doesn't excuse the actions of what were happening there. Like what they did was horrible and what they did was completely wrong. But in spite of all of that, he chose to forgive. And this was the very reason he went to the cross in the first place, was to forgive them, was to forgive us. And so even in spite of the pain and the hurt that we may feel, we can choose to forgive as Jesus does. I just want to share a brief um, story of what this has looked like in my life. Um, as I was thinking about some examples to share, I thought of a, a few fun ones, like the time my uh, fiance backed my new used car into another car, like within two weeks of having it. That was, that was tough and we had to work that out, you know? Um, but I was like, no, I don't wanna share too much about that story. Um, I thought about another one from a beloved brother in Christ who decided to hit me with a disc golf disc from 15 feet away as hard as Kevinly possible. Um, and, oh, sorry, humanly possible. And uh, we had to work that out amidst the, amidst the pain and the frustration of like, bro. Um, but I, I decided, I'll share those anyways, but I decided it would be helpful, I think, um, to share a little bit of a story that's a little bit more personal, a little bit more vulnerable as for what forgiveness has looked like in my life. Um, because often forgiveness um, comes in a response of some situations that have been really hard and difficult and just downright terrible at times. And so um, 
story that I was going to share is that um, there was a time when I was about, let's say like eight or nine years old, where I was sexually abused by a family member. And um, like I remember soon afterwards just feeling so many different emotions, right? Like, like feeling so much betrayal, so much like, like shame, a shame for what had happened. Like I was hurt, I was confused, like asking like why, how, all these questions I wouldn't have an answer to. Like I was angry at the situation, at the person, like all of these emotions. Um, and this was something that like for quite some time just loomed over me. Like this was so heavy, this was so hard. And like, what is someone to do at like eight or nine years old? Like not even able to process what has happened. But like, thankfully I shared about that with my parents very soon after it had happened. And like, we knew that, that, that things were gonna need to change. Um, we, we didn't just pretend that everything was going to be okay um, to like just move on along like nothing ever happened because that is not helpful. Um, and so there were barriers that we had to put in place with me and any time I would be around this individual in the future, if that was something that I, that I cared for or would even like decide to endure. Um, and this was very much a journey, right? Like forgiveness is not something that, al- that often happens instantaneously. It can happen in a moment, but it is often a long journey that we must undertake if we really want to let go of these things to move towards this process of freedom and healing that God has for us. And so it was a journey and it took some significant time, but, and it took counseling and like prayer, um, like all these things that God can use, right? But as time went on and I began to grow in my faith and recognizing like how much I had been forgiven by God, like through help from the Holy Spirit, I was able to forgive this individual in my heart too. And with prayer, like with time, prayer and healing that could only come from God, he helped me to not feel defined anymore by what had happened to me. Like God came and he, he helped like scrub away this like pain and bitterness that I felt towards this individual. And he helped me to view this person not just by what I saw in one of their darkest moments, just as I wouldn't want to be known by, by something that could happen in, in my weakest or darkest moment. But rather, he helped me to view them as just another fellow sinner in need of forgiveness and repentance. And just as with wounds that we receive, like there, there will be scars, right? Like many of you have had physical wounds um, and probably have scars and stories to share about that. Like just as there will still be scars behind from those wounds, it's the same way with like these traumas and these, these wrongdoings that have happened to us. Like we may not completely forget that they happened, but we can be healed from the pain and the bitterness of those wounds and of these things. Um, the scars may still be present, but, but if you think about it, scars are not only a sign of past trauma or injury, but they're also signs of healing, right? Scars are a part of the process of healing. And so the scars may remain even long after the pain has left and the healing has come. And in the case of Jesus, you look at his wrists after his resurrection and his appearance to the disciples, like his scars were signs of forgiveness. His scars were signs of our forgiveness. We who have been greatly forgiven 
must forgive greatly. Because God has forgiven such a great debt of ours, any debt owed to us in comparison is insignificant to the debt that we owe God. And the cost of our unforgiveness is far too great. Right, like as, as we look at the end of this passage, like we see that the servant is handed over to the jailers to be tortured. Um, and this can be difficult to read. This can be like, this can seem really harsh, but, but I believe that what this describes is the reality of life with unforgiveness. That life with unforgiveness can feel like we're imprisoned. That unforgiveness can act like a chain and really weigh us down and hold us back from moving forward. And unforgiveness doesn't just stop the process of healing, it actually does the opposite. It leads to further hurt and to further pain because unforgiveness leads to bitterness. And bitterness is like drinking a poison and waiting for the other person to die. Like we become so bitter and resentful in our feelings towards someone and that bitterness grows if we do not do anything about it and, and though that bitterness may at times make us feel like justified in our hate or our feelings towards someone, it's actually destroying us from the inside. It eats away at our souls. It robs us of our peace. It takes away our joy and hope. This unforgiveness and bitterness really is like torture to us, and it is like hell on earth. It destroys friendships, destroys families, uh, marriages, futures, and so much more. And so, Kaiapha, this is something that we must understand and take to heart. Because the world around us is not going to teach us this. The world around us is going to teach us so many other things about getting back at those who have, who have caused us harm. It's all about getting revenge and, and bringing only shame and condemnation to those who have wronged us. But this is not the way of Christ. His way is greater and his way is worth it. It won't be easy. It won't be convenient. It's going to take some time. It's often going to require sacrifice as we absorb the wounds. But the forgiveness of Jesus is worth it. His forgiveness brings healing. His forgiveness brings freedom. His forgiveness brings life. Rachel, if you would come up to just play some music for us as we get ready to enter into a time of response. Um, if you all would go ahead and, and stand with me as we ready to enter into a time of response. I just have a few questions and a few things I feel like the Lord is going to ask of us. And before I get into that, I would just go ahead and ask that you would just, just find your own space within this room. Like find a space and make it your own. It can be along the wall. It can be, we've got chairs that you can pray at. It could be your own chair and you can turn that into an altar. But I really just want to encourage everyone to move because oftentimes when we move, our heart follows. And I just have a few things that I want us to consider and process with the Lord. And so the first question, um, well, I should say the statement is that the kingdom of heaven advances through our forgiveness. And so my question to you tonight, Chi Alpha, is how will you advance the kingdom of God through forgiveness?
I feel like there are three things that God may be asking of us tonight. He may be asking you one of these. He may be asking you two or all three of these things. And the first thing is, have you received and responded to the forgiveness that God has to offer you? Because as we talk about extending this forgiveness to others, we are not able to give something that we have not yet first received. And so if that is you tonight, I would just ask that would you receive this forgiveness that only God can offer? The forgiveness that that pays our debts and, and sets us free to live life in the way that He desires for us. A life of knowing Him, enjoying Him, and making Him known. If that is you, I just encourage you to respond to that tonight. And if that is you, I would also encourage you to just find someone to pray with, that that they could pray with you to receive this, that they could celebrate with you as you receive this forgiveness, that you would not leave tonight without telling someone of this decision that you have made and this forgiveness that you have received. Because this forgiveness sets us free. It changes everything. second thing I feel like God is asking us tonight is, is there someone you need to forgive? I believe that there are people in this room tonight that God wants to set free from bitterness and unforgiveness. He doesn't want you to, to carry around this, this weight or this burden any longer. He's inviting you to come and give it up to Him and for you to be released He wants to bring freedom and healing in your life tonight. And this may be something that that could or or may not happen instantaneously, but tonight can be at least a start, a start of this journey towards forgiving someone. And so if that's you, I would also encourage you to spend some time with the Lord in prayer and processing this and feel free to, to grab a brother or sister to pray with you over this as well. And there's power in prayer when we pray together. Where two or three gather in the name of Jesus, there he is with them. And so I encourage you to do that. And then the last question is this. Is there anyone you need to seek forgiveness from? Maybe you need to seek forgiveness from someone tonight. Maybe you need to offer an apology. Maybe you want to pursue reconciliation with possible over something that you've done or that has happened. You know, maybe it's even self-forgiveness, right? Some of you may have been here tonight thinking about, like, there's no one else in my life that I need to forgive other than myself right now. Because unforgiveness towards ourselves often leads to shame. And shame convinces us that we can't be forgiven and that we are unworthy of God's love. It causes us to hide from God, but this is all a work of the enemy. Shame is not from God. And so if that is you tonight, if you feel like there's something you've done that you just haven't forgiven yourself for, if you feel like you have just been too hard and critical on yourself, I invite you to undergo the process of self-forgiveness because God considers you worthy of his love, which is why he went to the cross for you that you can be forgiven no matter what you have done. Forgive yourself and receive his love tonight. And so, Kai Alpha, we're going to take the next little while to just pour our hearts out before the Lord and just do whatever he's calling us to do.
to seek forgiveness, to offer it ourselves, to, to receive this forgiveness from him for the first time. And so after a few minutes, I will come back up to close, but I do encourage you to, to grab someone to pray with. If there are some deep things on your heart, you do not have to go through this alone. So let's just make this room an altar. Let's just love one another and love our God tonight. If the band would come forward, we're going to sing that song again in just a moment as a declaration of what God has done. And if you are still responding and still praying, please continue to do that. Like we are in no rush to move from this moment. And so continue to pray, continue to respond as you desire. Um, and I just wanted to just, you know, say to us, like, what would this community look like if we did this well? Like, how much better would we feel when we messed up? Right? Like, how much easier would it be to seek help from one another, to confess our mistakes when we know that we won't be met with condemnation or judgment, but instead that we would be met with grace, that we would be met with understanding and patience and forgiveness? Like, what would it look like for us if we didn't keep score, but instead we continually forgave and continually wiped the slate clean? What would this look like in our houses? What would this look like in our families? You've probably seen friendships and families like I have that have been devastated by bitterness and unforgiveness that runs through generations. But what if we were the ones that said, this cycle of hurt stops here with me? That I will continue this no longer, that this ends right here, right now. How might your forgiveness be a testimony and witness to others? How might the forgiveness that you give then draw people to receive the same forgiveness that God has given you that would also allow them to be set free too? May we be people who forgive often because we serve a God who has greatly and completely forgiven us. God, we can never say thank you enough. God, we can never say thank you enough for forgiving us, Lord, for restoring us, Lord, for enduring the pain of the cross for us. And God, that that is okay, Lord, because all that you ask of us in return is to love you, Lord, to, to follow you and serve you with all of our lives and then to extend this same love, God, to those around us. God, I thank you, Lord, that you forgive us in a way that sets us free. God, in a way that brings healing to our hearts in all areas of our lives, God. Lord, that you don't leave us chained down by the things that seek to take us captive, but you set us free. And so we declare that in this place tonight, Lord. God, that you have done a great and wonderful thing. God, we praise you, Lord, for any chains of bitterness and brokenness, Lord, that were broken in this place tonight. God, we thank you, Lord, for any uh, roots of bitterness that you took an ax to and that you uprooted tonight in this place. And God, we thank you that you will continue to be with us. Lord, as many of us continue to go through the, the, the journey and the process of forgiveness, God, that you would continue to heal us, God, and that you would help us to extend that same healing to others who desperately need us, who desperately need it, who desperately need you, King Jesus.
So Lord, we say thank you for what you have done. Thank you for what you are doing and thank you for all that you have yet to do. God, we love you. We worship you. We honor you in this place tonight and tomorrow and every day for the rest of our lives. Thank you that you're with us, King Jesus. Amen. As we close, I just want to give the benediction, the priestly blessing over us tonight. May God bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he turn his countenance towards you. And may he give you freedom, hope, love, joy as you receive his forgiveness and extend that same forgiveness to others. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Have a wonderful week, Kai Alpha. Go Dukes.